soul sings out to the Lord. My heart exclaims the work of God, my deliverer. For God has seen the status of God's lowly servant. And rightly, from this time forward, all the generations will see that I was blessed. For the Great One has done magnificent things through me. And I call upon the mystery of God's name. God's mercy is for those who honor God from generation to generation. God has shown the hand of justice by scattering the proud, humbling their haughty thoughts. God has brought down the powerful from their high places and lifted up all the lowly. God has filled the hungry with God's plenty and sent away the wealthy with empty hands. God has helped God's servant, Israel, to remember God's rich mercy. In accordance to the covenant made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his children, she was reading, or I guess that's a poem you would describe that as, was uh, it's a version of the Magnificat, the uh, uh, outpouring of praise from Mary that we find in, in Luke chapter 1, after she meets with Elizabeth uh, and tells her the amazingly good news, astoundingly good news, that she, Mary, is to be the mother of Jesus, the mother of the long-awaited Messiah. You know, and it really is, it's a glorious poem of praise. It's filled with faith, it's filled with hope, uh, it's filled with joy and love. And, and it's all the more glorious for knowing that it was spoken by an unwed teenage girl who had just had her whole world upended. Have you ever wondered how Mary could be so calm and joyful and peaceful about all of that? Yeah, it's easy when we read the Bible to uh, think, or you know, even hearing Bible stories, to think of the people in the Bible as being almost superhuman uh, or super spiritual, as, as though they didn't have to struggle with the kind of, of doubts and fears and anxieties that we deal with. But it's not true, right? That's not true. They're just regular people like we are. So when an angel showed up, at Mary's home one day, totally unexpectedly, totally out of the blue, and informed Mary that her life was about to change dramatically, don't you think Mary must have been at least a little bit afraid? <laughs> I mean, even if the angel had said nothing to her, just having an angel show up has to be a little bit unsettling, don't you think? I mean, really. And most of the time when angels uh, appear to people in the Bible, those people pass out in fear and, and fall over. So how was it that Mary was able to take all of that in with such peace? Well, today is the, the second Sunday in Advent, and the Advent candle that we lit this morning was the candle of peace. That's what it symbolizes. And peace is a good word to use for the opposite of fear. 
as we continue this sermon series that we're calling The Gift of Risk, we want to see what Mary can teach us about facing our fears so that, like Mary, our lives can be filled with and shaped by God's peace. So uh, that's what we're going to do today. You ready? Let's pray. How, how about we do this as we begin? I was just as I was watching, I had this sense of just making ourselves aware of God's presence. How about we just take a deep breath in and breathe in the presence of God? And then we just breathe that back out. And we just welcome your presence here, Lord. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. And we thank you that we don't just gather to do some religious stuff. We gather here in your name, in your presence, as your people to worship you and honor you and to open our hearts to you. And so we do that this morning. And uh, above all, we just ask for your peace be upon us. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so this is Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, um, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. And then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I want to begin by, by pointing out what Luke was doing in the way he wrote this story. Yeah, he tells us that in the sixth month, that's the sixth month of, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, which he had just written about earlier in the chapter. So in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to Nazareth, so to a particular place, to a virgin named Mary, and then tells, Luke tells us a little bit about, you know, about who Mary was. Uh, in other words, at a specific time, a particular angel was sent to a specific place to meet with a particular person. Well, in the writings of that time, if you wanted to demonstrate that something was true, uh, that it really happened, you would provide specific details like that. Details that could only have come from someone who was actually there. So what Luke is trying to tell us is this is not some kind of fantasy story. This is not an allegory or a metaphor or anything else like that. Luke wants to make it abundantly clear that as unusual as this situation was, as unusual as an angel showing up and talking to somebody might have sounded to Luke's first readers, this was a real event that really happened. Amen? Oh, we got coffee. <laughs> okay, just always looking for attention. Yeah, yeah. And so not surprisingly, Mary's first response to Gabriel was very much like the response most people have when an angel shows up. She was afraid. Our Bibles say that she was deeply troubled. Well, the Greek word that's being translated there literally means shaking in your boots. Okay, well, not really. It doesn't actually mean that. But it means 
wholly disturbed, or her whole being was being shaken. It can also mean to agitate with alarm. So, so you kind of get the picture. Mary was really, really afraid, which explains why Gabriel's next words to her were what? Fear not, or don't be afraid, right? Well, I think we can imagine, um, it's easy for us to imagine, that if we were really spiritual, you know, if we were really spiritually mature people, when a crisis hits, like you spill your coffee right in the middle of the service, <laughs> you know, ju just as an example, um, um, or you find out that you have cancer, or one of your kids gets hurt, or you lose your job, or say a global pandemic hits and riots break out around the country. Again, just saying. We imagine that if we were really spiritually mature, we wouldn't be afraid at all, right? If we were really mature, we wouldn't be afraid. We'd have complete trust. We'd have complete faith. We would also be perfectly calm. But the reality is we're human. And, and fear is wired into us. It's part of how God made us. Fear alerts us to our need to respond in some way to a perceived threat or to danger or to coffee all over the floor. You know, it, we're, we're, we're <laughs> I'm just not going to let it go. We're, you know, fear alerts us to the need to respond in some way, and we're going to feel fear at certain times, and at, like times when we're faced with a crisis, but we'll also fear, feel fear at times when God invites us into things that are outside of our comfort zone. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. Something we perceive as risky. So I find it interesting, really interesting, how many people have told me that they believe the way to know if God is directing them to do something is that if it's God, they'll feel his peace always. Really? Have you read the Bible? <laughs> I mean, that's often not what people in the Bible felt, and it certainly hasn't been my experience much of the time, not initially at least. In our world today, we spend an awful lot of energy trying to insulate ourselves from anything that could make us afraid. We try to wrap our lives in safety and security. And I understand the appeal of that. That's really appealing, you know. But a lot of it is wasted energy. And in making it our goal to insulate ourselves from fear, it's also very easy to insulate ourselves from hearing God's voice. And we don't want to do that, right? The question isn't if, it's, it's not if we're ever going to be afraid. Of course we will. The question is, how will we respond? How will we face our fears? So let me read on in Luke. <clears throat> Starting in verse 31, it says, Now listen, this is the angel speaking, Gabriel speaking. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be, since I have not had sexual relations with a man? And the angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the Holy One to be born 
will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. One thing we often do when we're afraid is we run. That's a a common response. I mean, maybe we cancel a friendship. We run from a relationship. We uh, get a new job or we switch majors in school or we go into our house and we refuse to come out until the pandemic is over or we stop talking to God or we leave the church. I mean, I can't tell you how many times over the past two years I've been tempted to just think, hey, I think it's time I retire, right? Let someone else deal with all of this stuff, right? When we're afraid, we often run. That's one thing we do. Other times when we're afraid, we fight, right? It's fight or flee, flee or fight. That's the the terminology. So we're afraid of not being loved or accepted, so we push people away. That's a way of fighting. Uh, We fear what we see is a loss of control or a loss of how things used to be. And and so we find someone or some group of people that we can blame for that. You know, Lisa's dad is uh, sliding into dementia. Uh, And as that has gotten worse, he more and more frequently reacts to things in anger, we're finding. And, And I'm guessing, you know, whether or not he's aware of it, I'm guessing that's a way of fighting, right? It's a way of pushing back against what has to be a very frightening loss of control. You know, some people fight using social media. Some do it with yelling. Some people fight with silence. Some people, when they're afraid, get violent. But when Gabriel came to Mary, Mary didn't run, and she didn't fight. And like I said, it's not because she wasn't afraid. Of course she was afraid. But Mary didn't let that fear control her. She didn't let fear dictate her response. So what did Mary do instead? Well, the first thing she did was listen. I mean, it's so obvious I didn't even see it at first when I was reading this passage. But Gabriel's speaking and Mary's simply listening. And that is a great place to start when we're afraid. When you're afraid, listen. Something I've been trying to grow in my whole life, because my natural tendency is to power up and argue, right? To fight, basically. Power up and argue. Or I'll get busy and try to fix things, uh, try to make things happen. That's another way of, of really of fighting, you could say. But in neither case, Am I listening? So I want to be able to just slow down and listen to that person who is stirring up anxiety or fear in me, or or maybe they're making me angry, but often that anger is actually rooted in some kind of fear, right? So what is it they're really saying? Can I listen for their intention? Can I listen for their heart? even if the words they're using maybe aren't expressing it all that well. Can I just listen? 
And I certainly want to listen to God when I'm afraid. What is it that he's saying to me? What is it he's asking of me? You know, what is it he's inviting me into? You know, before I try to fix things, before I try to eliminate or overcome or escape that which is causing me to be afraid, I want to listen to God and ask him what he's doing. What, is, what are you doing? What are you calling me into? What do you want me to do in response? And listen. So Mary listened to Gabriel, who was, of course, God's messenger. She was listening to God by listening to Gabriel. And we read the words Gabriel spoke to her, and they sound wonderful and glorious, and we know what they mean because we have heard them many, many times. You will conceive and bear a son and name him Jesus, and he'll be great and called Son of the Most High and sit on the throne of David and reign over the house of Jacob. But this young teenager Mary is hearing all of this for the very first time. It must have been overwhelming. I mean, imagine if an angel showed up and told you something just unbelievable. He said, hi, Tom. I'm an angel <laughs> from God. And I want you to know that you have found favor with him, and he's going to have you become the next president of the United States. <laughs> Tom thinking, well, what's, what's wrong with that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but this would have been that overwhelming, right? It would have been that overwhelming. But Mary doesn't run out of the room screaming or tell Gabriel this is all impossible. What Mary does do is she gets curious. She says, Gabe, I may be young, but I know my basic biology. Let's go back to that conceived part how exactly is that going to happen, right? Curiosity is a great response to fear. Uh, sometimes that means trying to see things the way someone else sees them. And it's a lot easier to write off people uh, when we disagree with them, you know, people who make us angry or afraid, to write them off as ignorant or wrong or even evil. But what if we got curious instead and tried to understand why they think the way they do? We try to see things from their perspective. That doesn't mean we have to agree with them, but it will help us to not react in fear. So when you're afraid, get curious. Or when we get those nudges from God to do something that makes us uncomfortable, something that makes us afraid, or something that we, we just think is impossible. No way we could do that. I mean, maybe that's to uh, spend more time with God each day. Or it's to serve in some way, or to become more generous, or to ask someone for forgiveness, or to end an unhealthy relationship, or to invest in someone who needs a friend. Rather than shutting that down by saying, there's no way I can do that. You know, I don't have enough money, I don't have enough time, or energy, or patience, or strength, or love, or whatever it is to do what God wants. And it's probably not really God anyways nudging me, it's just my imagination. I'm just going to shut this whole thing down. Well, rather than shutting it down, could we get curious 
like Mary did and ask, how can this be, right? How can this be? When you're afraid, get curious. Gabriel explains to Mary how this can be, and I'm not sure what he told Mary was particularly comforting. He was basically inviting Mary to give up control of her body, to give up control of her life. You know, Mary was engaged to Joseph. Now, she no doubt had, had dreams and plans of what her life was going to be like, and now that was all up for grabs. The thing we fear more than anything is the unknown. And that's exactly what God was inviting Mary into. She had no idea what this was going to mean for her life. But what was Mary's response? I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. So I think the most important thing we see in this story in terms of how we can face our fears is that Mary remembered who she was, and Mary remembered who God is. She remembered that she was a daughter of the God who loved her. And she remembered God's heart. She remembered God's character. She remembered that, that God is a God she can trust. Mary knew all of that because she would have heard it uh, as the scriptures were read every week in the synagogue. You know, she would have heard the stories of God's love and faithfulness every Sabbath, at least every Sabbath. She would have taken those stories in. She must have taken those stories in and allowed them to shape her life and to shape her relationship with God. And so Mary remembered. And because she remembered who God is and who she is, Mary could freely serve God with her whole life, confident that no matter how risky or frightening or unknown the future might be, trusting God would always lead to the best life possible. Not always the easiest life, and not always the most comfortable, but always the best. Mary was willing to let God change the entire trajectory of her life because she trusted that the life God had for her was far better than anything she could come up with on her own. She didn't know what the future held for her, but she knew God's heart and character. She knew she could trust him. So Mary could face her fears with courage and trust and peace. And as a result, She was able to live a life filled with meaning and purpose, joys and sorrows, highs and lows, walking hand in hand with Jesus, literally in her case. And the same is true for us. When you're afraid, remember. Yeah, I have definitely experienced those highs and lows, those joys and sorrows over the course of my life. And through it all, the goodness, the faithfulness, the love of God has just become more and more evident to me. So when I'm afraid, I remember. I remember who God is. And I remember who I am. I remember I am God's beloved son. 
So when you're afraid, remember. Something I've seen over the years is that fear is always a projection into the future. I'm always afraid of what might happen. But God gives me grace to live in peace in the present as I remember his goodness and his faithfulness in the past. So what I would encourage as, as a practice this week would be to uh, make a list of all the ways you can think of that you have experienced the goodness and the faithfulness of God. You know, take some time with this. Ask the Holy Spirit to, to bring things to mind. And if the, the alarm that goes off in your head is, I don't have time to do that, ask God, how can this be, right? <laughs> uh, write them down. Um, ask the Holy Spirit to bring things to mind. Write them down. Be as specific as possible because it will help you to face your fears. Amen? Amen.